Well, for those who are spiritual seekers or those who are believers in Christ, if you had to answer the question, what do you think the number one reason the church exists? What would your answer be? And I'll give you a survey here, 1,000 people, what they said the number one reason the church exists. I want to share the story of Mike Melio. He is a gentleman that's had quite a, a life story with a lot of profound lessons. And what happened, he said, he was about 10 years old. He and his father very close, and his father sat him down, and he said, I'll see you later, Mike. And Mike said, I'll see you later, Dad. And his dad said, no, I don't mean I'll see you after work. He said, I'll see you later. I'm not coming back. I have to be honest, I never wanted to be a father. And at that, he walked out the door and left Mike and his siblings alone. The mother was very upset, of course, but if she was upset when her husband left, she really became enraged when months later he got married to somebody else. And Mike shared his mom at that point began to drink alcohol. She didn't become just violent. She became extremely abusive. In fact, she began to beat the children. She was so angry at what had happened. She took out life on them. And Mike shared he, his brother and sister, the only safe place in the house when they saw the mother becoming enraged about anything was to run to the bathroom where there was a lock on the door, the only lock in the house. However, he said, my mother then went to the store, bought a broom so that when she got angry and was going to beat us, we'd try to run to the bathroom. She'd take the broom and... She could reach out and block the door from being locked, and then she would beat us even more severely. So Mike himself, going through this torture, said, you know, I don't know about forgiveness. That's a very big term. He said, I don't know about forgiveness. He said, I left home at 16 after being beaten and battered and bro bones broken, and forgiveness, that's a big thing, he said, but what I learned is you can have compassion. And he was about to find that that compassion that he was going to need to have would change his life. We'll come back to his story in a moment. Acts chapter 1, we're told this, that Jesus appeared to the disciples for 40 days, spoke about the kingdom of God. After the resurrection, it's the 40 days where Jesus stayed with the disciples. John himself, of course, would say, during that time, so many things were revealed, so many miracles seen, he couldn't write them all down. Indeed, he said the world could not contain the books if they contained everything that they learned and saw to truly write it down. What we're told here, Jesus, after that 40 days, you know, he spoke often about the kingdom of God. And the challenge for us today is to say, you know, do we speak about our faith? Do we speak about how our life has been changed by learning the spiritual promises and truth found in Christ and found in our own personal journeys? Do we share that with other people so that they also might learn about how their life can be changed? Paul Fritz wrote this article called The Missionary. Interesting, he said a missionary in Africa was asked if he really liked what he was doing. He said the response of this missionary shocked people as he said, do I like this work? No, my wife and I do not like dirt. We have reasonable, refined sensibilities. We do not like crawling into smelly huts through mud and mess. But he went on and said, But is a man to do nothing for Christ he does not like? Liking or disliking has little to do with obeying the will of God. We have orders from the sovereign creator of the universe who said, Go, so we go. Fascinating. The call to speak about faith. William Carey, known as the father of modern missions, spent 47 years in India. 
He himself would try to compel people to, to give to missions around the world so that people could have their life changed in a positive way and learn the truth about life, the truth about God. He had a great quote. He said, if you'll hold the ropes, I will go down to look for the lost. If you'll hold the ropes, I'll go down to look for the lost. Each of us can contribute to speaking about the kingdom to be that witness of the kingdom. Even if you don't feel that you're called so much to to be a very vocal person about your faith, you'll see Jesus told us each of us can do something. But before that, let's go back to that survey. Why does the church exist? 89% of the people said the number one reason to take care of my family and my spiritual needs. While that's true, that that's a very important need, it's not the number one reason that the church exists. 89% said it takes care of my family, my spiritual needs. That is one mission. But 11% understood the number one mission of the church. The number one mission is to win the world for Jesus Christ. And Jesus said each of us can take part in that, even if you don't feel called to be very vocal about your faith. Matthew chapter 9, 36, we're told Jesus saw the crowds and had compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Something each of us can do. We can Pray for our communities, that light drive back darkness, that eyes be opened, that lives be changed. Each of us can ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. We can intercede and pray for others, that their lives be changed, and that those who are the ones sent to be the more vocal about their faith, to pray for them and pray for more people like that to come into others' lives so that they can also learn the truth about God, about faith, about Christ. John O'Leary, somebody else I'll share some profound lessons from today. As a child, he was about eight or nine, he shared. He was playing with matches. Saw some other kids do it, thought it looked fun. He was in the garage striking matches, not realizing the gas can he was close to also had leaked a little gasoline out onto the floor. Suddenly, one of those matches struck that gas. He said there was an explosion. He blew up the entire garage. 100% of his body was burned. He was not expected to survive. Taken to the hospital, he was bandaged up on all these machines, scared as anybody would, terrified. Lost his fingers. Grim report from the doctors when his mother walked in. He said, Trembling, Mom, am I going to die? He said, as a nine-year-old child, I was looking for my mom to comfort me. She knew I needed something else. He said, she leaned down and looked at me, a nine-year-old child, and said, Do you want to die? Because if you want to live, you are going to have to fight with everything you have. John said, I just wanted some words of comfort from my mom. But she knew I needed something different. And he said, here's a life lesson he learned from that. He eventually, of course, did recover miraculously. Scars almost all healed up and amazing things happened. But he shared, life is not 
about avoiding death. It's about choosing to really live. Each of us has to say, you know, is my life about choosing to live? And in that choosing to live, do I speak like Jesus did about the kingdom? President John Adams pulled no punches. Our second president said this, 1800, there are two ways to conquer and enslave a nation. One is by sword, the other is by debt. People are drowning in debt. And debt leads to stress, and stress leads to despair. But it's not just financial debt. Some people are carrying debt from the weight of their past. Others are carrying debt of broken relationships. Others carry debt of regret. How much more is it important for each of us, again, to say, let me speak about the kingdom, the transforming life. Jesus died, rose again, promise now he liveth evermore. Greater is he in you than he in the world. One of the ways we can help make transformations, not just in our life, but in other people's lives, is to be authentic. Whether it's at worship service or it's at work and family, John O'Leary shared something that transformed meetings he was having. An author and speaker now, he said he came up with this simple strategy. He sits with groups of business people and has them complete this sentence. I encourage you to write this down, use this in your conversations with people. If you're a leader, what a great way to impact a group. The sentence is, if you really knew me, you'd know that. If you really knew me, you'd know that. And one person as they were meeting in this group said, if you really knew me, you'd know that beneath this nice suit and confident manner, I have no clue what to do next in my business and even less of an idea what to do next with my 15-year-old son. He said another person stood up and said, if you really knew me, you'd know that I am very sensitive to the way my kids, friends, and coworkers treat one another because of the way I was treated as a kid. The next one said, if you really knew me, you'd know that I have a void in my life because of my inability to have children. Perhaps most moving was the last lady who stood and said, if you really knew me, you'd know that I am a mother today of a five-year-old because four years ago, my brother and his wife died in a car accident. Find people you can be authentic with that'll be authentic with you. We all have questions in life. In Him are the answers. And one of the ways we can share the journey together in life to take off the mask, dig a little bit deeper and share a little bit deeper with those in our life. Acts 1, 3, 9, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. One of the most powerful things each of us can do is the waiting. Waiting in prayer till we feel we received an answer. Waiting in worship till we feel like we've had an honest time of thanksgiving and praise. To wait for big decisions till we feel the leading of Christ in our life. One of the things that we've talked about often, this idea of sharing gratitude. 
And just in that time of waiting to take three minutes and just simply say, I'm so grateful for, and then repeat that and fill in the sentence. Could just simply be, I'm grateful for, you know, clean air. I'm grateful for the most meaningful relationships. I'm grateful for my health. Whatever it is to take that three minutes and share in that gratitude, it has a profound effect on our life. We've shared many studies. Here's a new one by Brene Brown. Did a 12-year study. And she shared after that 12 years, the number one joy indicator, the one thing that will predict whether someone feels joy in their life is the practice of gratitude. Not just the feeling, but the practice to stop and say, you know what, I am grateful for and list those things. And to be able to say, I wait until that sense of gratitude is there in my heart. And then it overflows from my life to others. John Wesley said, I want the whole Christ for my Savior, the whole Bible for my book, the whole church for my fellowship, the whole world for my mission field. Someone who learned how to to wait. John O'Leary, again, who survived the fire, said at the end of that time period in the hospital recovering, five months passed. Skin grafts, all sorts of surgeries, operations. It was a miracle. He said his doctor came in at the end of five months. It was time for him to go home and begin more recovery there. John O'Leary says this, comfort is popular, but courage changes lives. Comfort is popular, but courage changes lives. He said, my doctor walked in, turned off the TV, pulled up a chair, got close to my face and said, do you know, John? You can still do almost anything you want in your life. John O'Leary would say these words would stick with him for the next 30 years. As the doctor continued, he said, maybe you can't be a reporter in the court. You can be a lawyer or a judge. You may not play baseball again, but you can manage a team. You may not be able to be a carpenter, but you could be a general contractor and build incredible things. If you want to, You can get married and have kids. You can have an incredible life, John. You've endured something terrible, but the best is yet to come. And here's the key. He said, you can be a victim or a victor. It's your choice. Do we wait till we sense the promise? Countless ones are true for our life and say, you know what? I'm a victor, not a victim. Because Christ ever liveth to intercede on my behalf. I wait for his leading. I speak of his kingdom. Acts chapter 1 again. Jesus said to them, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. That's the promise of Pentecost that no longer are we alone in life, but the Spirit shed on all flesh. And again, greater is He in you now, not just with you, but within you than He that's in the world. Mike Melio shared he got to California away from his abusive mom. He was homeless ate out of trash cans, miserable, got a job at a call center. He said they hire anybody if they think you can make a sale. But people started to leave bars of soap on his desk, hadn't showered in days and days and days, couldn't change clothes. He said his manager pulled him aside and said, John, I will help you, 
I won't do the work for you. And Mike asked what he needed to do. And he said, this manager gave me a book by Tony Robbins, Unlimited Power. He said, I began to read it, do what it said. I read it again. It talked about personal growth and choices. He said, suddenly my life was changing as I was making better quality decisions. And weeks went by and suddenly my life was on track. Months went by. I got promoted to manager. Suddenly I was trying to help other people. He said, I had one particular person who was always late to work. I warned her and warned her. She got a final warning. I knew she would be late again very soon. Sure enough, I came to work. She was not there. I waited in the office. She showed up. She knew what I was going to say. I sat her down and I started to tell this person, I've warned you before. And she looked at me and said, stop. I woke up this morning, passed out in a puddle. I'm a drug addict. I use meth every day. I need help. Please don't fire me. And again, Mike Melio said, you know, forgiveness, I don't know. But we can all have compassion. And in that moment, he said, I said, I will help you. But I won't do the work for you. He took her through the same process his boss took him through. Gave her the book by Anthony Robbins, held her accountable for choices. Within two months, she was clean, life back on track. He said, here's the thing, though, that compassion he had for her, her father called and said, whatever you did, you changed my daughter's life like nobody else could. I want to pay you back. He said, this man said, I'll teach you how to be a businessman yourself. I'll help you get a loan. Helped him get a half a million dollar loan to start a recycling business. Trained him, showed him how to run this type of company. And Mike Melio became a millionaire. He was still not happy, though. We'll come back to his story in a moment. Fascinating. Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. He wrote after living through the Holocaust. But he had a different title for that book. Originally, the title that he would write about surviving the Holocaust was not Man's Search for Meaning. The original title was Nevertheless, Say Yes to Life. Say Yes to Life. When we say, you know what? I wait on Him to speak to my heart. I wait on that moment of gratitude. I know that I am a victor, not a victim. It's saying yes to life. We close with Acts 1 verse 9. After Jesus said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. This is the ultimate display of royalty and victory in Christ. As he ascended, he then was seated at the right hand of the Father, the ultimate place of authority and glory to show his victory was complete, making a public spectacle over the devil and sin and death and securing victory for you and for I. So that we can live our life, a light shining in the darkness, salt in a world that's losing its direction and its way. That's the power of Pentecost and the presence of living and waiting on Christ speaking into our life. Choose life. Choose life as Jesus displayed it. Maybe you don't have the most vocal witness, but each of us can say, let me pray so Lord of the harvest, send more harvesters into the field so people that are like sheep without a shepherd can find their way home. Mike Milo shared that eventually he got married. His wife had a child. However, at delivery, looked at the doctor 
The doctor had that look in his eyes. Suddenly there was a lot of scrambling. Nurses took the baby, left the room. He saw his baby was blue. He said, I'm coming with you, doc. And they said, no, you're not. And they disappeared. They came back later and got him. Touch and go, they tell him, with his baby. Baby didn't have enough oxygen during the birth. Hooked up to these machines. And Mike shared, I went down there. Was sitting with my son. And I began to call out to God with intensity. And I said, look, God, I get it. Sometimes life. But I'm asking you, I'm begging you, please don't take my son. Mike Melio sharing the story before a crowd of businessmen and businesswomen. What he shared next brought a standing ovation. Why? Because everybody's looking for the truth. And Mike shared at that moment when he said, don't take my baby, he said, my son opened his eyes and he said this, that was the first time in my miserable life I could actually feel unconditional love. And the most important thing that day, when that little baby saw me and I saw that little baby, was the presence of God was undeniable. That's why he could share that in a room with businessmen and businesswomen. And when he said that presence of God was undeniable, they stood and applauded because that's what we all want to know. That's what we all want to experience. And that's what Jesus promised as our inheritance. Because he ascended on high, sat at the right hand of the Father, became our victory so that we can say yes to life.